right. Welcome back to the Spring to Life podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm your host, hormone health coach, fertility awareness educator, Pilates instructor, and the creator of the Spring to Life method. I created the Spring to Life method to guide women to embrace their cyclical nature through fertility awareness, cycle syncing, Pilates, Buddhist medicine, and non-toxic living. And of course, this podcast is a vehicle for me to deliver that information to you. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm really excited to share today's episode with you because I have a very special guest. Her name is Gina Monday, Mundy, excuse me, and she's an attorney specializing in childbirth cases. And she is now the best-selling author of the book, A Parent's Guide to Safer Childbirth. She's also a mother to three. So she is here to share more about her specialties. I gave you that brief introduction, Gina, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you, where you're from, your family, your background, that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. Well, Caitlin, thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. I was very excited to learn about what you do. You are absolutely amazing. So thank you for being out there and helping, you know, everybody. And I definitely will be telling my my friends and followers about you because I just think what you're doing is just so helpful and great. But a little bit about me. I am from Michigan. Uh, I've been an attorney for 21 years, uh, specializing in childbirth cases. I got my first case in February 2003. And, you know, just so your audience understands what a childbirth case is, that involve the cases involve the birth of a baby when something goes wrong, whether it's a mistake or it's a complication, and baby's not born healthy, or baby may pass away during childbirth, or sometimes mom will pass away during childbirth. So as the attorney on the case, I come in and I figure out what happened, what went wrong, and you know what should have been done. So the you know the baby the parents would have been able to take their healthy baby home, or mom would have been around to raise her baby. So those questions have taken me to um, probably almost every state, uh, including Montana, uh, meeting with di- different delivery teams, hashing out every aspect of labor and delivery, and you know, walking through all of these different childbirths, and you know, basically analyzing probably at this point millions of pages of medical records and whatnot. So I took that experience and I wrote a book. Um, that you had mentioned, A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. And the purpose of writing that book is to help parents have a healthy baby and, you know, avoid these mistakes and complications that, you know, I've seen for the last 21 years. So basically, instead of getting involved in the aftermath of something going wrong, I'm now trying to get involved before childbirth, uh, again, to help families have a healthy baby. That's amazing. So you're really taking your knowledge and making a trying to take preventative measures for all of these people out there that you've seen the suffering in the past. Um, I'm curious, as you began your career as an attorney, how you arrived at the specialty of childbirth cases? Is that something that you pursued? Is it something that fell into your lap? Is it something that evolved over time? I wish I had a better story. I stumbled on it right after law school. And that's the best I got. But I'll tell you, that's important because I never knew my profession existed. They do not teach you about baby law or birth trauma or whatever you know you want to call it in law school, high school, in the world, anywhere. I had no idea we existed. So then I was hired in for my first job. Uh, having a baby was on my radar. I had just gotten married. And 
but probably the most concerning thing to me is when I was hired in, I was hired into a team of 20 people and all we did were baby cases. That's it. We were together a team and that's, that's a lot of deliveries that, that went wrong. So from that point on, I just, you know, it was, it was definitely a hard few years getting to learn everything and whatnot. And then seeing the tragic outcomes, you know, unlike a doctor, you know, the doctors are like great outcome, great outcome, maybe a bad outcome or something happened or went wrong. You know, unfortunately my professional career, I only see, you know, the bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's definitely not like you think of the birth of a baby as being something that's celebrated and it's such a joyful time in that those parents' lives, but there are these really serious complications that can arise. Is there, do you, from all of the research that you've done and all the cases that you worked on, um, do you have like a percentage or like a kind of risk ratio of what the risk is going into? And these, the childbirth cases you are working are all hospital births? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, but there's so, no, I know what you're saying. There's no percentage of, you know, cases that turn into, you know, something went wrong or litigation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be, but that's just something that I'm not, you know, I'm not really familiar with. Okay. But that's I do true. know what you're asking. I'm like, uh, yeah, that, I'm like, that's a really good question. I, mean, I know. I was like, maybe I, I should have looked, looked that up. Statistics. Yeah. You know, obviously with there being a team of 20 of us when I was hired mm-hmm. into this field, I mean, and there's more baby lawyers, just there's a lot, of, you know, not a lot, but you know, so, you know, it's happening. And that's why, unfortunately, it's why I have a job. So hopefully, hopefully my book can get out there and whatnot. Maybe I, I won't have as much work. Which yeah, be- yeah. That was what was surprising to hear. You're on a team of 20, you know, in your state of Michigan. So that, you know, there must be other teams working on similar cases out there. So it's kind of a crazy number to think of. So you, how many years were you working these childbirth cases before you decided to write a book? 19 years. 19 so, years. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be two years, I believe, this March, and it could be three. I'm just really off with my year. The time flies so fast. I'm first of all, I'm like, how am I 48? So, no, so what happened is we had, and it's the introduction to the book, like a near family tragic event um, with the birth of a baby. It was the first baby of our next generation. So it was my niece giving birth, and it was really scary. Um, I had gotten a phone call from my sister. I was 1,100 miles from the hospital that day, so I couldn't get you know, to her. So, um, I'd been updated, but I was expecting a call from my sister, Sam's mom saying, Hey, baby's here. We're all good. And instead it was my sister hysterically screaming and crying. The baby crashed, the baby crashed and they had rushed Sam out. And it was just a very scary event. So I'd been surrounded by my family who also was expecting the call. It was a Friday evening. It was a great way to start the weekend. And instead, it was just one of those moments you'll never forget, you know, where you were. And so I ran away from the family. I'm like, I know what this means, obviously, because this is all I see. And I sat on the porch and I just listened to my sister cry. And I was going to kind of, I had known what was going on during the labor and delivery. And so I kind of gone through this, you know, legal analysis. But as I listened to her cry, it turned into more of like a human analysis And it was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is how the families feel. And it's an awful, awful feeling. It's a feeling where, you know, no decision now is going to change the past. You know, me as the childbirth attorney, it's like, how could I let this happen to my family? 
And it was, you know, the long 20 minutes, we did get word that the baby was going to be okay. But then it, you know, crossed my mind, hey, I have three kids, I may not be around for the birth of my grandkids. What, what if I'm 1100 miles away? Because I can tell you how, you know, my kids are going to prepare for childbirth, or, you know, when they're in, you know, in labor or whatnot, because of what I've seen. My my kids will be prepared much differently, you know, than a family would traditionally prepare for childbirth. Again, this is two years ago before I started the book. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to write some of this stuff down. And, you know, and my niece, you know, it's for my family too, because my, they're getting up in that, they're getting into baby age range. And uh, so I just started writing everything down. And I'm telling you, I went from attorney to author and it was it was just game over there there was so much information in my head i did not realize i had um cuz in my cases there are reoccurring issues there are reoccurring facts there's stuff that families need to know so they can make those good decisions because in the cases families are one decision or oftentimes minutes away from you know a healthy baby so you know my book goes over all of that and um yeah so that's kind of how it kind of how it all started, unfolded. I knew, you know, and it initially was for my kids, but I knew um, pretty early on in the writing that this was going to have to be something that could really help families across the world. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty incredible and a very powerful story. I think that it hits so close to home and you realize that you had some really important knowledge to not only pass down through the generations of your family, but to share with others. Um, and I, I believe I've heard your, that story on another podcast. Your niece turned out to be okay after the birth. She was, yeah, everything, everything was good. Um, oh, did I forget that baby was okay? Um, you said, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the baby was okay. <laughs> so I do, because I'll, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't go into the full story, but then I say baby was okay. Right. We did get word baby was going to be Baby was going to be okay. My niece was okay. Both of them are great today. And, you know, the interesting part is I'm like, okay, I got to get this book out before Sam has her next baby. So she actually got pregnant. I'm trying to write this book as fast as I can. And I published the book. And a month later, she delivers a baby in an ambulance. And I'm like, are you serious? You don't even get to labor and delivery. You know, it's funny. I don't think I've said that on a podcast yet. But no, oh, wow. they, they were fine. But yeah, she's. So I'm like, okay, maybe baby number three. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can use the information in my book to you know to help you. Absolutely. Well, and that's kind of the the crazy thing about it, especially for um, you know the maternal side of birth, because I personally know some people that went in to have their babies and everything about the pregnancy seemed fine. Their plan for labor and delivery was all set, and then complications arise, and it in a split second becomes a much more traumatic and like emergency event. So you, you want to hope for the best, but also be prepared for whatever, you know, the worst case scenario could possibly be. Oh, a hundred percent. If you're ready for childbirth, if you have a good understanding, even of just what's in my book, plus maybe supplement it with some other stuff, you know, you're going to be able to, during childbirth, pivot quickly to make those decisions or work with your delivery team. You know, a lot of times in childbirth, they'll recommend two options. And they may give you, you know, their professional opinion based upon their knowledge and experience. But, you know, it's very, 
again, decisions, I cannot emphasize it enough, are so important during childbirth. So getting ready, being prepared to make them is huge because you're right. If there's a complication or something, if you're not ready, there's this element of surprise. And that element of surprise, it's like you can't focus because mm -hmm. you're like, what? Deer in headlights can't focus. You're not going to make those good decisions you need to make. So it's, yeah, very important to get ready. Yeah, it sounds so from on my end of things where I'm educating women is about informed consent when it comes to their contraceptive choices, because a lot of times we don't have all the information when we're going into the doctor to maybe get a prescription for the pill or get an IUD. You don't necessarily get all the information of what the possible side effects and things might be um, down the line. So it sounds like with your book and the information that you're sharing, you're on this other side of things saying, okay, these are all of the things that could possibly happen. And when you have all that information, you can make just much more informed choices that are going to hopefully not feel so frantic in the moment. Yeah. Now I was very careful, you know, in the books, I know I don't want to give anybody, you know, anxiety or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I did. There are things in the book like I talk about, but I don't tell people why I'm talking about it. I mean, my book is not so much what can go wrong, but making sure that it goes right. Mm -hmm. So there are some stories. So there are some cases. Um, I do get a lot of phone calls from labor and delivery, um, just personally or, you know, whatnot. I mean, chapter six, I think I was literally writing chapter six and I'm getting text messages from somebody in labor and delivery. They have no idea who I am. It was somehow a friend of a friend referred to, you know, for my sister, my sister got was like, Oh my sister, she's a, she's a baby lawyer. What? What? <laughs> you know? So it's always, it's always, um, interesting. Um, but no, I, I try to include a lot of the good stories. I include um, information. So like I keep talking about, you need to learn about labor and delivery. So actually just to back up chapter one of my book are all of the lessons from the baby cases lesson, meaning we learn from these cases in order to prevent it from happening in the future. But lesson number one is prepare for childbirth, streamline communication, why it's a great idea. It's just a quick paragraph, quick lesson. But then chapter two tells you what you need to know in terms of the basics of childbirth to help you make those good, you know, good decisions. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like chapter two would be like what I would rely on as a childbirth attorney and trying to figure out, you know, was this good care, bad care, what happened? You know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's not stuff you're going to read in a normal pregnancy book. So, right. So what is the most common issue in a childbirth case that every parent should know or be aware of? Oh, by far. So that's chapter 11. So chapter 11 has the reoccurring facts and issues in a legal baby case. And by far, number one most common fact in a legal baby case is the drug Pitocin. Pitocin mm -hmm. is in most of my cases. Pitocin is the drug that is used to induce a mom, a mom's labor. So it makes the uterus contract, the body follows, and the purpose then is for mom to go into labor. So I have seen the Pitocin inductions gone wrong since February 2003. I've studied the drug, cross-examined experts, you know, on the drug, met with delivery teams across the United States talking about this drug, you just name it. And so then I wrote a chapter on that. So like, for instance, you know, I'd say, hey, this is the most common fact in a baby case. 
So you know what's you know what's there when something goes wrong. Um, but then I'm like, but here's how to have a safe Pitocin induction. Because here's the deal. Yes, baby lawyer like me, not a fan of the drug. I will meet with doctors. I'll be like, I don't like Pitocin. They're like, Gina, Pitocin's fine. Like they just keep recommending the drug. Because I will say doctors across the across the board agree that Pitocin is fine to use. What they don't agree on is how to administer it. So that's where, you know, chapter 14 really goes through what you need to know about Pitocin. And in my experience as a childbirth attorney, you know, these are things to consider with how it should be administered. Now, hopefully your doctor looks at chapter 14 and they're like, yeah, duh, that's great. Right. You probably have a good doctor, you know, but you may get another doctor who administers it way differently, who wants to increase it faster than I'm saying, wants to give you more at a time than what I'm saying, you know, and then you need to have that discussion. Well, okay, I have this book that says safetocin induction, but you're saying this. Well, doctor, why are you saying that? Because, you know, this chick who wrote this book has seen the Pitocin induction's gone wrong for 21 years. So why are you saying? But, you know, ask questions. Talk to your doctor about it. You know, I t that's definitely something that needs to be discussed before before childbirth, before you go to the hospital, you know, to give birth, birth to your baby. Yeah. So again, that's that's number one. And then I, there's 10, there's 10 total. So if you want, I can give like another one or two. It's up to you. Okay. Well, I actually, the Pitocin, I think that's really interesting. And um, even, so I have a friend who I know she went in to have her baby and planned to have a completely natural childbirth and she's in there for labor and nothing's happened. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening for a couple of days. And it got to the point where she decided that she did need to be induced and that was not on her plan at all. So I think it like this information in your book is, it's really important, even if you think, oh, like, that's not going to happen to me, or that's not going to be something I'm even considering. Having all of the information makes you so much more informed going into this, like, totally life changing. Event. Okay, so my next question for you is, you know, parents might be or expecting parents might be listening to this thinking, okay, maybe these are things like, I had not thought about or I wasn't aware of what are some preventative measures that expecting parents can take to avoid experiencing an issue during childbirth? Okay, so when as part of your planning and preparing, um, making sure that you pick a good doctor is important because your doctor is most likely the only person you're going to know on your delivery team. And that important person, they had your delivery team. They're in charge of making the recommendations. Um, however, they're most also likely not going to be at the hospital during labor. They're going to be somewhere else. So picking a good doctor is incredibly important. I have analyzed the doctors that deliver babies for 21 years, and I wrote an entire chapter on how to make sure you pick a good doctor. And there's things like, you know, follow your instincts, follow your intuition. I mean, how how do you feel when you're around your doctor? Do you do you want to ask them questions, but you think they're stupid, so you don't? Eh, you should be able to ask your doctor anything, anything. Mm -hmm. You should be comfortable doing so. And then how is their communication skills? I mean, are they really quick? Are they like, no, no, don't worry about that. Do they try to explain things to you? Communication mm -hmm. is huge with the doctor because they're not there. They have to rely on the nurse that is bedside with you. 
So your nurse, so your delivery team at the hospital, who's there at the hospital with you, are typically people who are scheduled to work that day. So, and um, on top of it, your delivery team is responsible for bringing your baby into this world healthy. So make sure, I mean, having just a great doctor is important, but communication is also key because if there is a concern or something's going on with baby, the nurse is responsible or a resident or midwife is responsible then for contacting your doctor, communicating it to them, making sure the doctor is asking the right questions, and then the doctor will typically make a recommendation or, you know, come into the hospital. But without those good communication skills, I, you know, it's, it can be kind of scary. So, and then also, um, at, at the end of that chapter, I give, you know, 20 questions that you really need to ask your doctor. Um, but, you know, you're, if you've got a good person heading your delivery team, that is very important. And listen, at your doctor's office, you know, there's more likely a couple of doctors in that practice. So it's made really important that you do know those other doctors and that you are comfortable with them. Unless, you know, you have a scheduled, you know, elective C-section or elective Pitocin induction, you could get a doc any one of those doctors. So it's very important that you under, that you like them all. And you know, if you don't, for some reason, you know, my book kind of goes over, you know, what's, what you should consider. Um, understanding your delivery team and their roles. Again, when I have a case, it is the delivery team's care that is at issue and the allegation is they did not bring the baby safely into this world. And it is analyzed more than any other aspect of the case. So having your good delivery team is important. So if you walk into the hospital and you don't have your dream team, you know, you get you have to figure out, okay, I'm not a fan of my labor and delivery nurse. Listen, I love labor and delivery nurses. They're amazing people. Most of them are just great humans. And, but I've met ones that aren't, I've met ones that I'd be like, you're not, you're not going to be part of my grandchild's, uh, you know, birthing process. You scare me. If you get one of those nurses, you have to know what to do. You don't just sit there and be like, okay, um, or whatnot. So it's, you know, it's important. I go through chapter three is all about like the delivery team. That really led into my next question, which was what are some qualities that women should be looking for in their delivery doctor? So it sounds like you have like the whole rundown in one of the chapters of your book of like things that they should be looking for. Um, and you mentioned the delivery team. I'm curious if you have found in your years of work that having either a midwife or a doula there um, as part of the delivery team uh, is makes a difference is a positive on the side of the delivering mother. Um, if it doesn't make a difference. Right. Um, so no, if you have, especially like a doula or if you have a, like a private midwife, if you have an advocate or somebody by your side for the entire labor, that is absolutely huge. Because your delivery team, that's another thing. Is it a busy unit that day? They can't just sit and babysit you or just sit by your side during labor. It does not work that way at all. They're going to check on you. They're going to check on the baby's heart rate. So if you do have like a doula or you do have, you know, in my book, I call, I recommend having a baby advocate. Um, that could easily be a doula. I will say that I've never had a doula involved in one of my childbirth cases. 
So I see everything that goes wrong, and I don't know. I've never had a doula's effect witness. So obviously doulas are helping moms bring babies safely into this world. And I like doulas too because, you know, that's a relationship that you form during pregnancy. So you you have a trust. And doulas love to educate their patients. So, yeah, I am a major doula fan. Um, and I definitely believe that, you know, they do help uh, families bring, you know, babies in this world healthy. Now, again, like with every profession, you've got to be careful on who you're choosing. I know the ones I've ran across, there's a, you know, the podcast or whatever. Have, I haven't met a bad doula yet. Um, so they're out there, they're trying to do what's good for parents. But yeah, no, having a doula. And then chapter seven is the baby advocate. So if you don't have a doula there, it's very important to have an advocate because you as mom, you're focusing on delivering baby physically, mentally. So having somebody you can like nod at if you need, okay, you don't like your nurse, you need to be able to nod at somebody, like get me a new nurse or give your husband the look. Um, but even just getting your husband ready for labor and delivery is huge. Listen, husbands want to protect their baby. It's very instinctual for them as males. They want to protect their wife. They want to protect their baby and they want to take both of you home nice and healthy. My book literally guides them on how to do it. So it's important that, you know, you have that advocate, but they know what to do. So the end of that chapter, you know, I kept it simple. I'm like, listen, you're going to designate a baby advocate. If husband can't handle it, which I would suggest husband handle it, um, it'd be like, <laughs> I will love you so much if you just protect me during this, you know, childbirth process. Let me focus on baby. You read the book. You you go through that stuff that Gina's saying. And um, if not grandma, grandmas make great baby advocates. Actually, grandmas are loving my book. And that would make sense because I wrote it like to have healthy grandkids. So, you know, I'm going to be in that grandma role, you know, in the in the near future. Mm-hmm. But um, you designate them as baby advocate. So now they have a job with any job. You need some training. Show them the end of the book. This is what you need to know as part of your training. Boom. Now you had that second set, you know, of eyes on you. So, yeah, it's absolutely important. So if you don't have a doula, chapter seven, baby advocate. I like that, um, the baby advocate, because, you know, doulas are great. Midwives are great, but not everybody maybe has access to them. So it's training that person, that special person in your life to be there by your side. Because I can only imagine the tunnel vision that mom is having during labor of just focusing on the baby you need somebody there to be advocating for you because equally I've so I guess maybe my next question might be is there a greater risk or how do I word this in the cases that you studied is it kind of equally split between um like the baby injuries and maternal or is it kind of a jumble just case by case because there's a risk on both sides um and especially when you're talking about the pitocin inductions i was thinking wow that probably is dangerous for both mom and baby because baby's not coming out yet and these contractions you know things are happening in the body yeah so basically my cases are more baby okay i've had there's not as many mom cases um they're, they're definitely 
more more baby cases and the outcomes always one of two things baby's not born healthy and when i say that i mean they're permanently not healthy there usually there's an injury to the baby's brain which then impairs you know their function unfortunately for the rest of their life and then um babies that have passed away during childbirth or they pass away maybe they're just born very sick and they pass away a couple of days later it's it's really it's just heartbreaking but yeah, yeah it's more babies than mom oh i cannot imagine the the gravity of the work that you've done over your career. It's um, really, I feel like really important that you are sharing this work um, with the public. And it kind of brings up the question of why isn't, why aren't these things that you're sharing in the book more common knowledge? Why are they only coming to the surface now? Yeah, great question. I miss that all the time on podcasts and it's an easy answer. I don't think a childbirth attorney ever thought to write a book. Literally, I that's it. Because we do know so much. And listen, writing a book was never on my radar. I never thought I was going to be an author until that day my niece had her baby. And you know, when you it was a Friday afternoon and it just it you know, I was finishing my work day and you know, I'm out of the grind. Um, you know, and just to have a human experience like that, it was like this, you know, and the way it unfolded was like this aha moment that I know stuff, but yeah, no, because this is OBs, you know, you can, I was looking, I turned 48 on Saturday. So my first full day on Sunday, I'm like, I'll get up and my, I have book reviews all over the world. So I started, you know, just kind of going through these reviews and they were, they were so touching, but, you know, a lot of people are like the medical community needs to read this, you know, because, you know, they don't know um, the common facts in the cases. So, yeah, I mean, I know um, I can look up a case. I'm like, you know, I have to get my first case in. I typically first words I read mom's being induced with Pitocin, mm. you know, and then I first thing I do, I look at the baby's monitor strip and going through, you know, how did the baby do during labor? Because, you know, while you know, the medical community really likes to keep reading the baby's heart rate to themselves. That is huge. And every parent should know how to do that. I've had a doctor testify. I put the testimony in my book. The only way that a baby can talk to a doctor during labor is through their heart rate. So if you know how to look at a baby's heart rate and understand it, your baby can talk to you and tell you, are, am I, you know, basically I can look at a baby's heart rate and say, this baby's a rock star or this baby's struggling. I mean, what parent would not want to know that, you know, during, during childbirth. So I have like a really, my whole book is a different angle on everything because I'm like, no, I know medical community, you want to keep it to yourself, but no, uh, chapter nine, how to read a baby's heart rate. And listen, it took me an hour to figure this out. And when you become a childbirth attorney, they, they throw a baby's heart rate in front of you. And they're like, this is this, this is that, um, this is good, this is bad. Like, it's the first thing I learned. I didn't even read them. It was the first thing I looked at was a baby's heart rate. Because as a childbirth attorney, you can you know so much because, you know, baby's inside of you. So it's not like they can, doctor can physically assess mom, talk to mom, communicate, diagnose, do whatever. Nope, baby's inside. No one knows how baby's doing. So reading that heart rate is, um, you know, is important. And I'm pr I'm pretty sure I forgot how that question started. That's a, that's all right. I was asking. Why this is information. I'm like, where? I'm going to start writing your questions down. So I'm like, okay, I can come full circle. Uh, if I could learn the question, so I apologize. 
Oh, you're good. No, that totally answered it. That just this information has just stayed behind closed doors. We have these people that work oh, in these specialties and they stay in their lanes. And you yeah. had an event in your life that really, you know, kind of shattered that facade and you realized that it needed to be brought to light. And I think that it's so important. By the way, you do not look 48. You look amazing. Happy related oh birthday. Goodness. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'll tell you, aging. The only good part about aging is that I have all of this knowledge and I know I can use it to help save babies. Otherwise, yeah, it'd be a disaster. So I really appreciate I really appreciate that. <laughs> You've got your you found your purpose in life. And I think that that, you know, that gives you that spark. And you mentioned before, before we started recording, you have three kids, you're a wife, um, you are, are you still practicing childbirth attorney as well? Yep. Yeah. So you're still practicing. Yep. Absolutely. Still litigating cases. Yep. How I'm out there talking about, you know, my book and just, you know, getting the word out, but yep. How did you juggle all of that when you decided to write this book? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So you write, you know, you're like, okay, I I am going to write a book. Okay. Yes, I'm a partner in a law firm, three kids, married to a busy business owner. So basically, I had to figure out what sacrifices um, needed to be made. So, you know, the social life and everything else. But basically, um, for 14 months, and actually, I continue the schedule today. I'm actually addicted to it. Most people think (laughs) I'm crazy. But I get up at 3 a.m. So I'm in Michigan. I've been up since 3 a.m., and then I go to bed about 7 p.m. And if I can't get to bed by 7, it's no later usually than 8. And I have to nap during the day. But literally, being able to work like that in the middle of the night, um, especially if you think about it, you go to bed at 7, you get your 8 hours of sleep in, and you have like a fresh brain. So you can then, you know, write the book and, and do what you have to do. So, yeah, I wrote my book basically for 14 months, thousands of hours in the middle of the night. And then I just love the schedule because when I get up, nobody else gets up at three. I haven't found one person that gets up at 3 a.m. Now, I have found people that get up at four. Those are still few and far between. So I have like the everything's to myself, you know, until about five. That is nice so, to get yeah, just that quiet time. Mm-hmm. And I get all my stuff done. I'm so productive in those initial hours, my fresh brain, no interruptions. It's a beautiful thing. That's amazing. Dedication to your craft and your your purpose. Um, so obviously, making the sacrifice and carving out the time uh, is important if you want to meet a goal like this. Do you have any other advice to somebody that might be thinking about tackling this kind of project? Oh, just, you know what? It's a long process. Do not give up. There were so many. I would get brain fog. Um, you know, all that, but then I would have days where, you know, I could just write, you know, for me, so the first three months of writing, I basically cried every single day as I went back and I thought about the families, um, because to get through the first 19 years of my career, I really had to emotionally suppress everything. So it was very therapeutic for me to write and kind of get all of those, you know, emotions out. And then after three months, you know, it was like this clarity, really, that I had to get this done. I have the knowledge base to save babies, to help families have those healthy, you know, healthy babies, good deliveries, safe deliveries. So, you know, for me and my mission, 
like after that clarity, you know, I enjoyed getting up early because I couldn't wait to write, you know, write that next morning. Because a couple of times I would try to write like later afternoon or something like that. My brain just wasn't, it was, it was so exhausted by that point. Um, I couldn't do it. So, but I really enjoyed like, okay, what today, you know, and I had my kids where they call them like avatars, like who you're writing to, you know, I'd have my, my mm. kids avatars right there. And I'd be like, all right, so Abby my oldest you know I would just think hey if if you go to the hospital you're 38 weeks you're not ready for you know childbirth or labor however there's concerns about the baby they offer you a pitocin induction or they offer you a c-section okay this is what you have to know if there's concerns about the baby you know and I'd go back to my cases and I'd work through them think them I'm like okay yep this happened and then again you see your common facts and issues um but basically you know with the book, it's like if you're confronted with this question, these are the things that you need to consider in that moment in order to make, you know, a good decision. But yeah, basically, I had just this drive um, to do it. And I did it. And some days were, you know, easier than others. And after 14 months, again, thousands of hours, especially at the end, because at the end, I really started putting my work aside and just mm -hmm. writing, you know, as, as long as I could then I would work the rest of my day. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you just gotta, you have to have that drive. And as long as you, in that passion, like you want to use your knowledge to help people in whatever way you see fit, you know, there might, you might be a really good mom, a really good parent. Um, you know, maybe you can teach the younger generation that's coming up. Think of stuff that you want your kids to know to make their life easier. Or for me, it was what well, I need my kids to know to make sure I have healthy grandkids. So thinking of, you know, stuff like that and just don't, just don't stop. Just keep going. And it's little teeny weeny steps until you're done. Slow and steady. Yeah. Wins the race. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for putting in that work and writing this. I know it's probably going to change so many lives. So if anybody is out there listening and they want to check out your book, where can they find it? So at all times, my website has everything. So ginamundy.com, G-I-N-A-M-U-N-D-Y.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, of note, I did not say this on your podcast, but I do have chapter one on uh, my website. It's a downloadable version. You can download it, share it, do whatever you want, because that is the lessons from the baby cases that I do think are very important for people. Um, so I do have that on there. And I did start a blog. So I had, a, you know, maybe there was a couple of things. I'm like, oh, I probably could have put this in the book. So I ended up starting a blog to keep my, you know, keep the other stuff going. And then the book right now, the best place to get the book right now is Amazon. Um, that's changing, but I know um, that's right now, Amazon's definitely the best place, but my website will always have, you know, um, where you can buy the book or whatever. I mean, at this point, you know, you can put in Gina Mundy and Google and my book is everywhere and my book keeps coming up. So you're going to find it even if you just put in Google. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure to link your site in the show notes, of course, if anybody wants, but they can Google you too. And yes. Oh, and I can say one more thing, and I forget. So I was never a social media person before this book, right? But, you know, you you release the book, you have to be on social media. So I always forget to say you can follow me on Instagram at Gina Mundy. Oh, and awesome. And also we'll have, you know, a lot of other, you know, information um, on there 
uh, about the book and everything else. So great. Well, I will link that. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> uh, and I have one last question because I think that this whole conversation maybe is like, I don't want to say opening a can of worms for like expectant mothers, but it's like this stone that's unturned maybe and like a topic that they want to dive deeper into. And I'm curious if there are any resources or experts in this field that you recommend checking out? Oh, that is such a great question. You know, I have some like postpartum people that are amazing, but childbirth, nothing's there. You know, that one's a difficult one. Um, because part of, probably part of the reason I wrote my book and I wrote it the way mm -hmm. it was because there is nothing out there like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's fine. I just feel like even if you just read my book and then you have more questions about different aspects of childbirth, that you know, there are other resources out there. It's hard because remember, I've done this for it's so second nature to me. <laughs> so now, you know, after doing it for 21 years and dealing with all of this, um, you know. Yeah, it's my book. And then I'm sure there's other books. I know on Amazon, they're always with the pregnancy books. They're like people who buy this book, my pregnancy book, also buy, you know, these other books. Um, so yeah, there's definitely other resources and um, podcasts. Definitely. I think the podcast having to do like your podcast is amazing for people um, and stuff like that. But yeah, that, I wish I had a better answer. That's like, no one's asked me that. I love that question. I'm going to have to find some resources and put them on my website or post them or something on uh, Instagram. Oh, well, I'm glad I asked. I was like, should I ask this? I don't know. But of course, people should definitely be reading your book. And, you know, maybe you're starting a movement where there are going to be more people starting to speak out about this topic. I hope so, because, you know, it's definitely the path to a healthy baby. And just, you know, learning and getting out there. So yeah, I, I hope so. Yes. Putting moms and dads in the driver's seat of labor and delivery. So they don't feel like they're losing control. I think that you are doing some really incredible work. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you came on the show today, Gina, and I'm so excited to share this with my audience. Is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we go? You know, I don't know. I assume most people are like me or most, you know, you know, soon to be moms. But listen, ever since I was a little girl playing with baby dolls, like I dreamed of that day of having my first baby and what they would look like. I mean, that was a, a dream from early, early on. And you want to make sure that once you're at that point in life, at that powerful moment that you've been dreaming of your entire life, that you did everything you could to make sure you can enjoy that moment and, you know, hold your baby for the first time and touch them and kiss their forehead and, you know, take them home. And you can do that. And it's, it's important that what we talked about today's podcast, it will help you do that. So make sure you're ready to enjoy that beautiful moment. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing the work that you do and doing the work that you've done throughout your career, Gina. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. 
And thank you to the audience so much for tuning into the Spring to Life podcast. Please check out the show notes for all of Gina's resources mentioned. And if you learned something new or you resonate with this conversation, please share it. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like, comment. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you're following the show. Leave a rating and review because that's how this community grows. That's how more women find out about this important information. And I will talk to you next week.